0: Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean. And I thought we were going to come on and talk about a very nice Packers win, and that was going to be all we're going to talk about. Unfortunately, things got a little bit more interesting than I, uh, quite frankly, hoped they would be this afternoon with uh, some news, some late-breaking news this afternoon uh, about a major injury on the team, uh, that being to veteran safety defensive back Charles Woodson. So obviously we'll get into that. But we'll also talk about many of the positives that we saw out of yesterday's game. And with that, we'll bring in Matt. Matt, I thought this was about as routine a win as we have seen from this team. A lot of times we expect them to win games and they don't quite play up to their potential. We discussed this game last week and pretty much felt exactly like we uh, hoped and expected it would go.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was pretty much a dream come true in terms of of what you could have hoped for coming in, and I know we talked this weekend and last week as well on the podcast about how I was pretty worried coming into this game, and by the time the weekend rolled around and Sunday rolled around, I was convinced we were going to lose, just from, uh, you know, just thinking about it all week and getting worried about it, so it was really nice to come in and have a, a pretty easy win, it got a little close there for a while, but, you know, we, we dominated the game, even though the score shows that it was, you know, fairly close, it really wasn't even that close.
0: No, I I would agree, and even though I had my reservations, I know I texted you near the end just asking if the Packers were still going to win. Once I would say probably, I don't know, mid-second quarter when they got up about 10 points uh, even 10 to 3 it really didn't feel like from that point on that there really was any chance they were going to lose that game uh even as it got a little bit closer uh you just didn't feel like the rams were capable of playing with this team and uh, i guess that's a sign i was definitely looking for uh, we haven't seen that from this team very often this year that they just look head and shoulders better than another team even when they're not playing phenomenally which uh, i think that has to be a good indication going forward don't you
1: Right, and it was both sides of the ball, too. Like, when you said you had texted me and asked if they the Rams had a chance to win, I was like, I can't imagine this team comes down the field on the Packers again and scores like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just didn't have confidence that the Rams' offense was good enough to do it on our defense, which is a good sign considering how, you know, lackluster our defense has been for a while here. And even if the Rams would have taken the lead at some point, you had to feel pretty confident that Rodgers was going to just march right down the field at will and score again for us. So, uh, yeah, it's... I was feeling pretty comfortable the whole game, like you said, after they kind of took that big lead. They were up 10-6 only at half, but it just felt like such a bigger lead than that. It just felt so dominant that it it never really felt too threatened.
0: Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers, who you mentioned there, is uh, definitely a big part of that. Uh, Another phenomenal uh, game for him, 30 of 37, 342 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's now got nine touchdowns in the past two games. His completion percentage is off the charts. Uh, just Uh, He looks like he almost flipped a switch to where he was bizarro Aaron Rodgers And he couldn't complete a long pass And he just looked very inaccurate and somewhat even confused out there at times Now he just completely looks like he did last year Playing at the same ridiculous pace that you would expect from somebody on Madden
1: Yeah, it's it's really nice to see Because I know we were kind of thinking for a while like what exactly happened And we discussed that a little bit last week Where it seemed like he kind of lost maybe a little bit of the accuracy or something for a while And he did miss one pass just slightly over James Jones, outstretched fingers, but other than that, he was pinpoint accurate, and I think the the one throw that really stood out to me was the one at the end of the game to Cobb. He was fading away to his left, across his body, over two defenders, (laughs) and right on the money. You couldn't have placed it more perfect than it ended up landing in Randall Cobb's hands, and a great catch, but just one of the most incredible throws I think I've ever seen, and he really made that Rams secondary look foolish all day, and Cortland Finnegan and Janoris Jenkins, just Janoris Jenkins especially, I was kind of interested to see uh, what he was going to bring to the table here in this game, being a, a rookie who's, uh, who's starting, and he just got absolutely wrecked by Rodgers, and whoever he was trying to cover at that time, they made him look, look absolutely foolish.
0: Yeah, and uh, for once, Cortland Finnegan looked foolish because of his play as opposed to his attitude, so right. <laughs> that was kind of a change of pace a little bit for him, but yeah, and the receiving core seems to be improved as well, they they just seemed, I, I don't know, I don't have the coach's tape, I didn't subscribe to the online NFL mobile that's like 200 bucks to actually watch the, the coach's tape or whatever, and so... I can't see the routes way downfield and how people are getting open, but something in them has seemed to have changed, too, because Jordy Nelson seemed to struggle, and he looked kind of like old Jordy Nelson, who was kind of a role player for the team, could could sneak up on you at times, but really couldn't be a featured guy, kind of like his role on the team was the first three years he was here. And the last two weeks, he's been Jordy Nelson of 2011 all over again. Uh, Yesterday, eight catches, 122 yards. He had a touchdown. Uh, He had one drive where he almost accounted for all of the offense, uh, on their first touchdown drive there in the second quarter, or I think that was the end of the first quarter. And he he just completely looks like a different player than he did even a month ago. Four touchdown catches in the last two games, and uh, just uncoverable by pretty much anyone yesterday.
1: Yeah, and this is exactly what we were hoping for and kind of frankly expecting after what we saw in the preseason and you know towards the end of last year where it's just an absolute force And it. He's becoming one of those guys that, even though he doesn't have maybe the physical presence of a guy like Kelvin Johnson, he is getting so good at those jump balls. Mm-hmm. And if he's in man coverage, he always comes down with it. And like you said, I'm not sure exactly what was going on the first few weeks. I mean, it had a lot to do with the whole package. I know Rodgers, the offensive line, the play calling, and whatnot, and probably a lot to do with what he was doing out there. But it's just seeming like now, if he's in the end zone, he's the guy to go to. It's not Finley anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: if just throw it up for Jordy, and he's going to come down with it. And He's not even getting the drops anymore like maybe we saw it at the end of 2010 and sometimes last year. He's just extremely sure-handed. He's become one of the most elite receivers in the game, and he, he's looking unstoppable the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, that tiptoe catch for that first touchdown was just great, and, and he seems to have a better ability to do that than almost anybody on the team. He just seems to have incredible awareness when he's around that sideline, which I know we saw like in the Tampa Bay game, uh, you know, that – not all the receivers seem to have that ability to just know where they are on the field and be able to catch the ball, turn, and it almost is like he's got the ability to not only catch the ball, but he can get his head around fast enough to actually look at his feet. Uh, yeah. I know we had that game with the Giants last year where he made a, just a phenomenal spinning pirouette catch on the sidelines, and uh, yesterday's was, was great too. You did mention Jermichael Finley there, and that kind of brings a point that I wanted to bring up. I don't know about what you thought, but it seems like Randall Cobb has completely replaced Finley's role in the offense, uh, as well as incorporating some new things as well. Uh, he, right now, seems to be the the second or third target for, for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that has something to do with Jennings being gone, but the way he's played, especially yesterday and even the week before, I can't imagine that role shrinking any even once Jennings returns.
1: Oh, absolutely not. And I think we kind of brushed on this last week how it seems like the offense is kind of starting to get routed through some of these other guys, Randall Cobb especially, James Jones is, wasn't quite as explosive uh, against the Rams as he was the week before against the Texans, but it does seem like the targets, the touches are going down. When Jennings gets back, you have to imagine it's going to be even less for him. Mm-hmm. You can't stop feeding the ball to Randall Cobb when he's been the one when you get the ball in his hands, is making plays, and Finley is is not. So you obviously have to feed the hot hand and get the ball to these guys, and you can't stop just giving it to Cobb when you got more receivers on the field so Mm
2: -hmm. I think you're
1: right I think once Jennings is back here I think we'll see probably a similar amount of targets for Cobb and probably just about the same as we saw this last week here for Finley where he only had two catches the entire game
0: yeah and I hate to say it but you hardly even missed him out there I mean if he wouldn't have played would, would anybody really have noticed and maybe he's still being a little bit injured from from a couple of weeks back but it seems like they have completely found a way to to get the production with new people which says a lot about the ability of the offense to adjust and the ability of the quarterback to find the
1: open guy but uh, I wonder what that says for the future of Jermichael Finley in Green Bay. It's going to be hard to you know to justify signing him to a bigger contract especially with all these other guys we have coming up and I think with the way he's played the last couple of years, I don't think the price is going to be as steep as we'd initially thought, maybe after the 2009, 2010 season, maybe mm-hmm. looking at this upcoming contract. So maybe they do get him back at a, at a lower price, but you have to imagine somebody out there in the market is probably going to want to pay this guy a lot of money. And, you know, I'm kind of hoping as, as much as I think a weapon he is, I'm, you kind of hope that they don't tie up too much money in this guy that they've kind of shown time and time again that they can live without this game against the Rams being another good example mm-hmm. of that.
0: Well, the way their offense has functioned, probably the last three seasons, other than, uh, well, I don't know if you look at that Patriots and, uh, and Lions games that Flynn started, this offense almost appears to not be very dependent on anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, obviously, Rodgers is a, is a pretty important part of the offense, but, I mean, Matt Flynn did okay when he got to be prepared, and, I mean, that's quite a testament to, to Mike McCarthy and the system that he's installed with the various coaches that, especially when it comes to pass catchers, They seem to be able to get production. I mean, they could have, it feels like they could have somebody's grandma playing running back and they're going to be able to score 30 points on teams. Uh, I don't think that bodes well for any of these guys individually, even a guy like Greg Jennings, uh, having to renegotiate or or actually sign him after this season. I think that, rightfully so, Ted Thompson Is probably not going to be willing to pay these guys What some of these other people are going to be willing to pay And, uh, I guess Touching on that, do you think that the way We've seen the team play the last two weeks And and really, you know, this whole season Even losing to Indianapolis, still scoring uh, 27 points Mm -hmm. Does that not bode well For Greg Jennings' future as a Green Bay Packer?
1: Well, and I think they have to Sign one of the two, I think that would be Too much of a transition if they Kind of let them both go, and I I think Jennings is – I think he's an elite receiver, but I don't think he's going to quite demand the pay that maybe he's thinking he's going to get Mm -hmm. going into free agency. He's a little bit older. He's not old yet, but he's getting up there a little bit, um, probably right around his prime, if not towards the back end of it in terms of his speed and everything. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, I I I would imagine somebody's probably going to try to overpay him, but I'm just kind of hopeful that we're able to sign him back. Like I said, I think we need to get one of the two of these guys back is Mm – much as I, I loved what Jordy and Randall Cobb are doing right now, I think you might be stretching it a little thin, especially with driver, you would think almost imminently retiring after this season yeah. with a lack of playing time. So I think you've got to get somebody back. If if, if not, you're drafting somebody pretty highly in the draft, because if you're left with only James Jones, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, that's a pretty good one, two, three, but that doesn't leave you with a whole lot of depth. So. I would think that they're going to probably try to work hard to get one of these guys back. But, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think that they're going to be willing to pay them huge bucks. Maybe they get a hometown discount with a guy like Jennings or something. But,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, it definitely, definitely changes the scenario for signing these receivers back to uh, bigger contracts.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it would be quite a transition. And I, I don't know if Aaron would appreciate that very much.
1: No, and, I was thinking that, too. I don't <laughs> think he'd be too happy about that.
0: Yeah, and, and not that he's got control of the team, but certainly you want to, you know, Chemistry is more important than you know it is when you're just mixing and matching players. We've seen that hasn't worked out for a lot of teams, so I think it is important to maintain that chemistry. I really like Greg Jennings. Uh, quite honestly, from a production standpoint, I don't know if you can't find a replacement in that somewhere. Right now, Ted Thompson's on a phenomenal run of drafting and developing good wide receivers, and maybe that's, a, a, again, a testament to the offense of Mike McCarthy. But you'd think eventually, you know, you can't count on that every single time you bring every Mac guy in, you know, they're not all going to be James Jones and and Greg Jennings, you know. But I, I think he's one of those guys that is a lot like how I felt when they lost Antonio Freeman, where... He's not necessarily a great player, and he's probably not worth the money you're giving him year in and year out, but our highlights are just plastered with the Super Bowl and Greg Jennings catching touchdowns and talking to Troy Palomalu and and doing all these things. He's just one of those guys that you would like to see be a career packer, and I think his production is good enough that it warrants you um, maybe not paying him what he thinks he's worth, but maybe paying him more than you think he's worth, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the negotiations with him would probably go somewhere in between there. And I I feel like he might, you know, as opposed to going to a team that desperately needs a receiver that's going to pay him a ton, I think there will be a part of him that wants to stay here and keep winning. And you're right. I, this is a guy that you you think about when you think about the Packers, and I think people around the league do too and it, He's a great face of the franchise. You lose driver after this year. You need, you need guys to fill into that role as much as it doesn't really translate onto the field
2: mm-hmm. in
1: terms of, you know, the team and the community and that kind of a thing. He's, he's great with that kind of stuff and a guy that might kind of upset some fans if you let a guy like that just walk. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're right. Maybe pay a little more than you think you need to pay him, but if you can keep a guy around like Greg Jennings, that would be huge for the team.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, but they're going to have to have, you know, obviously we've talked about this, they're going to have money that they're going to have to look at places. And I guess one of the negatives offensively from yesterday is I wonder if eventually they're going to have to start looking for a running back for real. I know the production has been great with not too much. But Alex Green yesterday, uh, 20 attempts, 35 yards, even including a long of 15 yards. So the yeah. other 19 carries aren't <laughs> doing hardly any. 19 carries for 20, 20 yards years. on his other yeah. carries. So, yeah. Um, I guess, what, what is your assessment of the running game? Is, is it a problem that they can't run the ball at all? Will that come back to haunt them later? And whose fault do you think it is? Is it the running backs, or is it the, the people in front of them?
1: Well, you know, this season really hasn't been that bad for a run game. It it obviously has been in the past, but I think Green looked good last week, and Benson looked good for the entire season before that, so I'm not about to say that I don't think the run game is working at all. The Rams, if they have one strength, it's their run defense and their front seven. so... Mm-hmm. Uh, coming into the game, we kind of knew, and we kind of touched on it last week, that you're probably going to have to beat them the same way you beat the Texans by throwing it, you know, all day on them, throwing over the top, throwing on those weak corners and safeties. So, you would kind of like to see a little bit better than that average, 20 carries, 35 yards, like you said, one of them being 15 yards. Uh, not really impressive, but I, I would kind of hope to, to see that change, and I don't think that Alex Green's going to get stuff like that for the foreseeable future, especially against Jacksonville, so. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think you need to spend money on that, and I don't think they will, and I kind of hope they don't, frankly, with all the other guys that need money. I feel like even though he didn't run for hardly anything, we still won and won pretty convincingly. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's one position we can keep these young guys around that we're not paying a lot of money to, and they'll at least get the job done at least as much as we need them to.
0: Yeah, and I tend to agree with that, actually. Um, I was kind of pushing the buttons a little bit. To, yeah. to, to, I mean, it was a great game offensively. It's hard to really complain about anything, but... Yeah, I felt like the the offensive line still, they've been that way as as long as McCarthy's been here. They're good enough to get the job done, but they're not that great either. Uh, it feels like, it's hard to blame Alex Green on a lot of those. I know he stumbled on one when he had a lot of running room, but it felt like a lot of those he just didn't have a prayer <laughs> getting, yeah, exactly. getting even back to the line of scrimmage. This team just seems so focused on their passing game that, I don't know if they necessarily look for offensive linemen who are, who are dominant run blockers. I think that a lot of their running game has always been, even you saw with Benson, is kind of more of a of a misdirection kind of run game than it is actually line up and pound people. Which it, it works for what it is, and you can't have 20 attempts for 35 yards every week. Um, Last week, I think if they could do what they did last week with Alex Green, where he had around 20 carries, around 80 yards, it was a little less than four yards per carry. But if you can get that just enough for people to actually acknowledge Respect, the fact that you yeah. could do something with it,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I completely agree. I, I, about th- I four yards a pop, a guy like that who can eventually, you know, bust one or what we saw from Ryan Grant, like that kind of stereotypical, mm-hmm. you know, power running back who's going to fall forward for three to four yards when he gets the ball. So I think that's what Benson is. So I think, you know, I think with around I think we've got what we need and I think we've got enough and we're paying him what under a million dollars this year so yeah yeah uh, it's a good spot to save money on a team that can throw like we do
0: yeah and just uh, to dispel something real quickly last week when I was reading some of the stories as to why the Packers were able to dominate the Houston Texans which looks even more surprising this week than it did last week after seeing what Houston did to Baltimore yesterday um I had read a bunch of columns and articles about people saying, well, the Packers have found their balance. That's why they're able to do things. When they won the Super Bowl and when they were dominating last year, they had balance in their offense. And uh, just real quickly to show the balance they had last year, uh, they were 26th in rushing attempts, 26th in yards per attempt. And in the Super Bowl season of 2010, they had 20th in rushing attempts and uh, 25th in yards per attempt. So if that's considered balance, um, that 's some pretty uh that 's a pretty low standard, I guess
1: right yeah, I think from what we 've seen this year, I think this is about as balanced as we 've been. Mm-hmm. Maybe the stats are pretty similar, but i I just kind of have that feeling the run game's at least a little bit more respectable now than it 's been with James Starks over the last couple of years
0: yeah they 're still twenty fifth in attempts, but they're they 've cracked the top twenty in yards per attempt, so nice um only three point nine so apparently there 's some other teams that aren 't uh, rushing the ball very effectively either. But, uh, I, I still think it's all about the passing game. Everybody knows that. Aaron Rodgers with 12 touchdown passes in the last three games. Uh, Sam Bradford in his last 17 starts has 13 touchdowns. Uh, he's now got seven touchdowns on the year. So, uh, if he, he keeps going at this torrid pace, he might hit that elusive 16 touchdown mark, one per game. <laughs> so, hopefully, uh, w- w- I guess real quick, having seen Sam Bradford, I haven't seen much of him. Uh, I kind of was having this discussion with with some of the people we were watching the game with. Do you think that the writing is on the wall for this guy? Is he going to be able to improve, or is he going to go down as a as a big miss for the Rams as a first overall pick?
1: Yeah, you know, it's. I didn't have much of an opinion on him coming into the game. After watching the game, you know, his numbers aren't that bad: 21 of 34, 255, a touchdown, and a pick. But Really, most of that was on one good drive when we were playing a pretty soft prevent type defense. Mm-hmm. And he looked, it kind of reminded me of what you what saw from Blaine Gabbard and, and heard about him all last year where he just looks skittish and scared back there. And I don't know if it's the, the having a bad offensive line, but we send three guys at him and he releases the ball as soon as he possibly can and is jumping around in the pocket and he just looked absolutely terrified back there. Yeah. And it's not like we're coming at him with Obviously we have Clay out there, but other than that It's not like we're coming at him with you know The 2000 Baltimore Ravens defense (laughs) Or anything We have a three-man pressure sending everybody back to cover And he looks just terrified in the pocket Um, It led to a lot of Inaccuracies, it led to a lot of Throwaways, he looked like when he was Poised, he was decent, but For the most part, he looked skittish And, you know, that's a one-game Sample size, obviously the Rams aren't on TV A whole lot, so I mean, I don't have have a lot to base it on, but based on that, you, you got to imagine they're starting to think about having to look elsewhere and kind of take their loss with, with all that money they had to pay him at that time.
0: Yeah, and I have to agree, and he just looks like a guy who was completely the product of that college-spread offense, mm. who could sit back in the shotgun, play for a team like Oklahoma against a lot of opponents who, quite frankly, had no chance of putting any kind of pressure on him. Right. Uh, could just kind of stand there. He's had some drafted wide receivers as well when he was there. Um, just picking people apart. play I mean, the Big 12 not that they're much better now, but in that era when he was there and Colt McCoy was there and when Brandon Whedon was there and uh, who was before Brandon Whedon, Zach Robinson, it it felt like no, uh, RG3, nobody played defense down there and they still don't. Every week it just seemed like the losing team was scoring 31 points in those Big 12 games. I think he has been injured somewhat, but I mean looking at it now, he's got, that was his 33rd start yesterday. He's... 11-22, 58% 11 and 22, uh, 58% completion percentage, 31 touchdowns, 27 interceptions. Um, as far as the production there, those are great numbers for uh, 1961. But I don't <laughs> know if they're going to they're going to really uh, give the Rams a chance to to improve much over than and what they have been doing. So I got to agree with you. Depending on what happens in the last nine games, the uh, the St. Louis Rams either this next off season or the following one might be in the market for a quarterback again, and then uh, we start talking about. Sam Bradford in the same breath that we talk about guys like, uh, I guess maybe Tim Couch would be a closer example to, to Bradford than maybe some of the other epic busts of the past. But
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to have a little sympathy, too, just because he's had, in terms of receivers, he's had nothing. If, if Danny <laughs> yeah. Amendola is probably the best receiver you've ever had for on your team, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not great. So, I mean, you got to feel for him a little bit there, but and you have to see more progress after 3 years with a guy and you kind of hear that around the league that after 3 years if you're not seeing progress or if he's regressing
2: mm-hmm. then
1: that's when you have to start being a little concerned and maybe they try to stick it out one year more year try to get a big weapon for him or something in free agency maybe a guy like Finley or Jennings you never know but yeah. um but you got to imagine <laughs> they're not going to stick with him forever even you know a guy like David Carr who was in my mind, kind of similar to what we've seen from Bradford, steady but not great. Mm-hmm. Um, even a guy like that in a small market, is his time goes up after only a few years as well in this league.
0: Yeah, David Carr is a good comparison. He feels like a guy who won't lose you the game, but he's not going to win it for you either. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about kind of the glaring story that has emerged from this this game uh, only as, as recently as a few hours ago, and that's the injury to Charles Woodson, who reports that Uh, I have heard is that he broke his collarbone. He's out four to six weeks. I haven't been reading the the reports in depth, but I quite frankly have no idea where that injury occurred yesterday. Uh, I didn't see him leave the game. Uh, I I was trying to think back, and Matt, did you see when he might have gotten injured?
1: No, I didn't, and I don't know if it was maybe the TV coverage. Maybe they didn't see him go off at all, so obviously we didn't. But no, I didn't even notice him not being out there towards the end of the game. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so uh, I guess I... I can only assume that maybe it has something to do with that injury he had back in the Super Bowl, but that's a guess on my part. Oh, man, it's, it's rough to lose a guy like Charles Woodson. He's such a leader out there. Uh, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Matt, but I, I'm going to make a statement that maybe it's not as bold as I think it is, but if they were ever going to lose Charles Woodson, this is probably the best time to have it occur in any, any part of his tenure here in Green Bay with some of the talent that they've been able to show Casey Hayward you know is playing well I know that's cornerback but he's tied for the league lead in interceptions with four Um, you might have to go get some depth for the safety position but these young guys look like they'll at least be able to keep the boat afloat while uh, Charles Woodson recovers
1: yeah you're right and I think Not only is that a comment on, you know, obviously his game coming down a little bit, and I'm not meaning that as a rip on Woodson. Obviously, it's impossible to keep up the pace he had from, like, 2008 to 2010. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to age a little bit. We expect that. He moved to safety for a reason. But but you're right. Coming up, these two games coming up here, we are not playing a quarterback that can throw it over the top. I don't think our safeties are going to get challenged too much anyways. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And a bye after that, so he's got a little bit of time to heal up. So he might miss a few games after that still, but... You're right, this is uh, as good of a time as any, you hate to lose him at all, but we've got a couple of corners, hopefully Shields, you know how long Shields is supposed to be out for still?
0: Uh, No, he was questionable in Sunday's game, so I guess questionable is so hard to guess on what that means. Uh, he's got that shin injury, I think it's probably going to be week to week until it's gone, uh, even if he does decide to play next week, so I guess that one is, is one that we'll just have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, and you generally hope that after a guy's questionable one week that he'll be able to go the next,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, assuming that there was at least potential for him to play in that game. So, if you have him back and you have Hayward and obviously Tremont starting at the corners, that's that's pretty darn good there, at least from what we've seen so far from Casey Hayward. And Devon House is back healthy, so that helps add a lot of depth there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, yeah, I mean, we've got to see the safety step up. We'll see what they've got there for depth at that position. Hopefully Jerron McMillan can come in and play some big minutes for the team. But, you know, they might go out and get somebody, maybe somebody they had around in training camp. I don't think there's any stars laying around in free agency right now, but mm-hmm. but you're you're completely right. I think that if, you, if you're going to lose him, you can maybe afford it a little bit right now. It's still going to be a blow for that defense, but I think this is a time where they can probably overcome it and hopefully kind of get through this little stretch here without having too much damage due to that injury.
0: Yeah, the biggest concern, obviously, would be maybe Woodson's veteran presence has somewhat settled down uh, Morgan Burnett, you haven't seen those Gaping holes in coverage like you saw On a weekly basis last year when it was Pepra And Morgan Burnett playing yeah. back there uh, So I hope Woodson It wouldn't surprise me, but I hope Woodson's Influence hasn't been that great That they completely Can't contain or play zone coverage Or anything anymore like it felt like they were doing Last year, because I think that arrangement In addition to his injury, but that arrangement really hurt Jermon Williams a lot last year, and he wasn't Quite the same player, so Hopefully they can do something with that, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Four to six weeks, so this team at least now looks like it's kind of regained its mojo a little bit and poised to make a run to the playoffs, so hopefully he'll be able to come back with enough time to get incorporated before uh, you need to win every week.
1: Right, and like I said, you're probably playing against maybe a couple of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league coming up here, so um, whether it's Cheney or... Cheney, that's a combination of Chad and Henny. Uh, Whether it's Chad Henny this week or Blaine Gabbard, both honestly just terrible
2: quarterbacks.
1: (laughs) And uh, the week after that, if you get John Skelton, who, in my opinion at least, has has proven time and time again he can't throw anything over five yards accurately. (laughs) So, like I said, I don't think the safeties will really be tested. You're right about Tremont kind of not quite as good last year, and whoever else we had at corner with. Out any safety over the top help, but I don't think it's really going to be an issue these next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and I, I have to agree with you there. But remember, Chad Henney, one and as a pro starter at Lambeau Field.
1: Yeah, He's
0: coming <laughs> that back. Was
1: a Dolphins start right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess before we move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, what was your impression? I know we kind of touched on it before, but what was your impression of the defense? Yesterday against the Rams I thought they were they were pretty solid Not quite that spectacular But they got the job done And uh, pretty much did what you'd expect them to do To a bad Rams offense On a day when you're not necessarily as inspired As you were the week before
1: Yeah, solid's a great word uh, To use three sacks and interception Really, other than that, that one drive Which I mentioned before that Bradford had They looked really good and it, You just had the feel that that Rams offense Wasn't going to do anything else So it has a lot to do with the Rams' offense, but then again, we saw them do it last week against Houston, too. So I think they're just getting better every week despite the you know the plethora of injuries they've had so far. They, they did that against the Rams, regardless if it's a bad offense or not, to do that without a lot of your starters and a lot of guys playing minutes. So I think it's impressive. It was, it was solid. It wasn't spectacular, but I still think very impressive, still better than, than what we saw most of last year.
0: Yeah I agree. Last year you saw them have glimpses of being a good defense such as the Monday night game against Minnesota and then they'd come back the next week and just be terrible again. Uh so it was nice to see them do it two weeks in a row. So I think this defense is is definitively a better defense than they were last year. Um so that's good to see that they can continue to to still be you know at least effective enough to where you're not worried about them week in and week out blowing huge leads even though Of course, this year is the year they actually did that. (laughs) So yeah. um, one thing I was going to say, I guess, real quick, is that just a real quick fan-watching thing, is there anything that's more annoying than watching a garbage touchdown that takes a team from the teens into the 20s and it makes the score
1: look like less of a blowout? No, that... That does kind of frustrating. Just kind of like when I pulled up the box score before and I saw 30 to 20. Really, <laughs> it, it felt like a blowout, and I didn't remember how exactly how close it was. I guess, but you're right. It, it is kind of frustrating when you know you know looking back people won't remember exactly how the game goes they'll just look at the score and be like really they only beat the rams 30 to 20 mm-hmm. but yeah it is frustrating i guess in terms of the win lo- and losses it doesn't make any difference at all so oh well i guess but yeah. yeah it's frustrating to see them just march down the field and score like that when they look so good the rest of the game mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of a bad taste but you know not that big of a deal i guess
0: well there's well obviously yeah it's not it's not something that really bothered me about the game too much other than That 20 point threshold, there's just something about it where, to me, it's, if you beat somebody 36 to 17, it looks like you absolutely destroyed them. Um, but if you beat them 39 to 20, it looks like, wow, that that was kind of a back and forth game. That one, you know, (laughs) it doesn't look like as big of a blowout, even with the same spread, at least to me. So, I don't know, it's just a weird thing with the numbers. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. But anyways, the Packers win back-to-back games for the first time all season, which was good to see. And now they return to Lambeau Field for the first time in a month to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are 2-2 two and two all time against Jacksonville. They haven't defeated the Jaguars since 2001 when Tom Coughlin was the coach and Mark Brunel was the quarterback. Uh, that was the Brett Favre uh, comeback game on Monday Night Football. They won 28-21 on a Brett Favre late touchdown run, uh, which was kind of interesting. Since then, they've played twice. They lost at Lambeau Field in 2004, 28-25. Uh, do you remember that game at all, Matt, and the horrible interception Brett threw in that one?
1: Yeah, I remember that one, and the thing that sticks out to me is the uh, Donovan Darius I was, I believe, clothesline Robert Ferguson across the middle in that game.
0: <laughs> yeah, I completely uh, forgot about that, actually.
1: That's kind of my takeaway from that game, I guess. But yeah, I remember that being a really frustrating game to watch, and I remember being pretty mad at Brett after it was done. But I guess I don't remember too many details, but that clothesline really stuck out to me, I guess, for the, for the long run here.
0: Yeah, I actually completely forgot about that until you mentioned that. Uh, yeah that was that was pretty brutal um and then they had lost to the jaguars in jacksonville in 2008 during that five game losing streak that they had near the end of the year so that i mean it's hard to believe so many guys from this team were on that 2008 team that had that five game losing streak yeah. <laughs> i mean that just seems like that was 10 years ago uh so do you think the packers are going to Beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and go, the big important thing, yeah, they'll go to 5-3, and three, they'll maintain their momentum, they'll win three in a row, but they'll take a lead in the all-time series against Jacksonville, which I think is far more important.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL here. Is the the <laughs> but, but no, I, and I just did see a report that uh, Maurice jones drew is out for Sunday's game, mm-hmm. and Blaine Gabbert is questionable, but likely expected to play. So, I mean... This team, which already might be the least talented, possibly the worst team in the NFL, now loses their best player. Unlike uh, a game against a Rams team this last Sunday, which I thought was still going to be close and could be a tough game, I really don't see any way that this is close or that it's a trap game in any sense of the word or um, really a challenge for the Packers. I would think, even with all the injuries, this should be no problem. and I do not see how this Jaguars team puts up. More than 10 points against our defense, even with all the injuries.
0: Yeah. Well, before I heard about those injuries this afternoon, I was expecting that Jaguar juggernaut to come into Lambeau Field and threaten to score, you know, 13, 14 points on this yeah. Packer team. And, you know, now we can accept that this team probably won't score more than a field goal or two. <laughs> so yeah. I think they'll be okay. Uh, you know, you got a good franchise when you see the Bills leftovers in Mike Malarkey and say, we have to have that guy to, to turn our <laughs> franchise around.
1: I mean, some of these receivers on this roster are just, yeah, I mean, you've never heard of these guys. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I know they have this small guy who's been, uh, except for his fumble at the end of the last game, has been producing big time, but probably a guy that doesn't make any, almost any other roster in the NFL, like their number one and number two guy <laughs> here. So, yeah. uh, I know they've got a couple of good young guys on the defense. Maybe they slow down our offense a little bit, but I can't imagine this thing's even close.
0: Yeah, I feel like I haven't seen a Jacksonville, I watch a ton of football, so do you. I feel like I haven't seen a Jaguar game in at least three years.
1: Yeah, I I think that they had a primetime one last year I watched, and that's when I made my judgment that Blaine Gabbard is just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, that's kind of what we said with Bradford. It's a one-game sample size. I I won't mind seeing him again if he plays on Sunday, and probably won't be a lot more impressive than he was then, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just can't imagine, I can't imagine this thing's even close.
0: Well, hopefully you're right and the the Packers can uh, continue on uh, winning. Uh, Real quick, the the Jaguars are 32nd in passing yards. They are 25th in rushing yards. They're 32nd in both points scored and yards accumulated. They're 25th in points allowed and 28th in yards given up. And uh, pretty much across the board in the high 20s for everything both offensively and defensively. Uh, somehow they beat the Indianapolis Colts back on September 23rd. So, that Colts loss is going to look really bad when this season's
1: over, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's their only, uh, the Jaguars' only win of the season. You would imagine they probably sneak one out at some point against that pretty weak AFC. I'm sure they've got some easy games on the schedule here, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, this team is, is just bad. If you lose Maurice Jones, this team is basically nothing. He's, he's been their team for the last couple of years. Uh, last year, left the league in, in rushing, and they were still awful. So mm-hmm. without that, I don't I don't know how you expect to produce, especially how you expect to win with not even having a defense that's any good.
0: Yeah, I guess the only fear is that the Packers maintain that mentality, and then uh, six to eight starters get hurt. So, <laughs> so uh, hopefully they can put one together. Seems like the closest to a no-brainer you can get in the NFL, as far as uh, predicting a winner here. And let's hope the Packers can continue on. Next, we're actually going to transition to something that we've had on the shelf for a while, so we're going to dust that off and go over a what-if segment. And this is one we were actually sent by one of our good fans, uh, Brian Dinsey, and it's what if the San Francisco 49ers had drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005. So we're going to discuss that. What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Oh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay
2: Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston.
0: What would the past look like? What would the future look like if? Welcome to What If? This is a segment where we discuss events in Packers history, we change them, and then we discuss what might have been, not only the past, the future present and the future of the Green Bay Packers franchise under those circumstances. So this week it's a topic that we were sent a while back by uh, Brian Dinsey on Facebook asking us what if the San Francisco 49ers had drafted Aaron Rodgers. I'm paraphrasing a little bit there but that's a, essentially what he was asking. And, obviously, the the big thing about the 2005 draft was the San Francisco 49ers having the first overall pick. Aaron Rodgers, a California kid. Mike McCarthy, the offensive coordinator. And they decided on Utah quarterback Alex Smith as the first overall pick. Aaron Rodgers had to sit in the green room for hours. The Green Bay Packers drafted him at 24. And I'm sure you all know the story from there. We'll take it for what it is without going over each individual need. I would assume that the Packers... Would well, let's just assume for for starters that the Packers did get Alex Smith. Uh, right now, Alex Smith has had much more of a, a less uh, less of a stable situation than Aaron Rodgers has had. At this point, he's had 73 starts. He's 37 and 36. He's got 77 TDs, 63 interceptions, a 77 quarterback rating for his career, Uh, and that's even considering the fact that he's been very good the last two years. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, is uh, 69 starts, 45 and 24 as a starter, 65% completion percentage, almost 20,000 yards, 151 touchdown passes, only 42 interceptions, which is the fewest Uh, Interceptions by a quarterback to get to 150 that he set yesterday. A quarterback rating of 104.7, which is comfortably the greatest quarterback rating in the history of the NFL for a career. I guess the big question is to decide what you think Aaron Rodgers would have done um, as a younger starter. Uh, of course, in the Packers, he had been a three-year backup before he ever started. Alex Smith actually started seven games in 2005, uh, had a very rough time, one touchdown, 11 interceptions on a, on a very bad San Francisco team uh, that only went 4-12 and 12 that year under uh, coach Mike Nolan. If Aaron Rodgers is drafted by San Francisco, I guess I'll start with what it does to Rodgers' career and then what it does for the Packers. I think if Aaron Rodgers starts in 2005, you would see much the same. I have a hard time believing that he would have been quite as bad as Alex Smith. It's hard to say if Alex Smith was a Green Bay Packer instead, if you just flip-flop the two, that he would have been able to be as good as Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers has just been so good. I think he could have been close. I think he might have been maybe a level of production nearer to like maybe Phillip Rivers or something. I I guess I don't know how good his talent is separated from that system. He's had so many different things. I think the big change is Aaron Rodgers has a rougher time to start. I still think, however, that eventually he would have been a good enough player. He's got that internal confidence. He's so driven. Um, He's got the physical skills, which are the most important thing. So I think ultimately with San Francisco he would have succeeded. Uh, The biggest thing is... How much success do you think he would have had initially? They went four and twelve in 2005. How much success does he have initially, and does his initial success change the career trajectory at all for for Mike McCarthy? Maybe he makes him a harder candidate to get, uh, something like that. But I guess. As far as the difference for Packers history I think it's a lot different I don't think they necessarily win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith I still think they're in a competitive position So I think the big thing is that Aaron Rodgers probably isn't as successful The Packers probably aren't quite as successful If they're able to get Alex Smith I, I think that they probably maintain the course They add as a Mike Sherman team A team that's like Baltimore Good every year, sometimes is a little better than good But ultimately a pretty unremarkable in the NFL In, in the grand scheme of things historically And I think Aaron Rodgers has the potential to be a pretty good player for San Francisco I think getting thrown to the Wolves a little early Might uh, m- maybe have prevented him from becoming so good But I-, I guess it's hard to predict what would happen with Aaron Rodgers So I'll say that San Francisco is about the same Goes to the playoffs a little bit more Maybe maybe does, maybe doesn't win a Super Bowl I don't really want to commit on that I think the Packers probably tread water a little bit With Alex Smith at quarterback um, Following Brett Favre And that they kind of maintain that level that Favre had At the end of his career as a perennial playoff team That's really not a threat to win the Super Bowl
1: Right, okay uh, I mean, this one's a little bit more difficult Because there's so much you have to speculate on I mean, you don't even know for sure I mean, I, I know this is what we're doing Is we're swapping them But you don't even know that the Packers get Alex Smith If, the, if uh, yeah. the 49ers take Aaron Rodgers with the first overall pick So, but assuming that that is the case here I think you're right with where the Packers are at I think Alex Smith, having a few more years to sit back You've kind of seen how he's starting to develop Into a better starting quarterback So, I feel like those few years behind Brett, with a solid coaching staff that's been there for a while, only having you know a couple different op- offensive coordinators instead of like seven or whatever the number is—it's something ridiculous that he's had in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot better receiving core, I think you do see him play a lot better. And I think this offensive play calling, this this play style is is so much different than uh, what San Francisco runs. So I think he maybe has a chance. Is to flourish a little bit more But I think you're right I don't think we win The Super Bowl in 2010 And I think a year Like last year Where Rodgers Basically has to carry us I think we Definitely don't go 15-1 and one <laughs> With a defense that bad mm-hmm. So I think he's a, Like you said A pretty good quarterback Very solid um, I, I would maybe say Philip Rivers I, I don't think he's Maybe prone to that Many mistakes But I really can't think Of anybody else To compare him to That's any better mm-hmm. So um, maybe a guy Like Joe Flacco Would maybe Maybe it's a little bit more impressive, but I think you're right. I think probably a, a playoff team every year still with the current roster we have. If you just substitute those two, I think a good team. But I don't think he's the kind of guy that can carry the guys around him like Rodgers does. And I think in terms of of with Aaron Rodgers with San Francisco, I th- I think you know personally, I think he wasn't ready to start until he started with us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think if he shoved into that role his first year with that awful 49ers team and having Different offensive coordinators every year, and having coaches who have no idea how to coach a quarterback with Mike Singletary and Mm -hmm. um, and Mike Nolan, I I feel like his development would have been seriously hindered. And I think another big thing is, you know, you hear a lot about it, you don't really know how much to put into it. But Rodgers getting that drive from sliding all the way back to twenty-four in the draft, Mm -hmm. it kind of seems that like that still fuels him. So, you know, maybe he's a little less motivated. Um, I. He does have greatness in him, though, and I think that comes out either way. Mm-hmm. I, but I think there's no way he's the player he is today. And I think I think he's probably pretty similar to what we're seeing from Alex Smith now because I think that offense is still mostly driven around the run game, too. So mm-hmm. we've seen Smith be accurate, kind of run that offense. And I think really that's mostly all that's expected of Rodgers. So I think his his arm still develops and I still think he you know gets the cannon and the accuracy he has today but maybe he's a little bit more efficient Alex Smith a little more accurate doesn't make as many mistakes but I think in terms of the 49ers trajectory into being one of the better teams in the league it, it's probably pretty similar to where it is now and I think he's still a very good quarterback but I don't think he's anywhere near what he is with the Packers today.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a great point that and then that's the hardest thing to, to think about Because they had a guy like Mike Nolan there when he was drafted And you you begin to think Well what does that do to Mike Nolan's career uh, If Aaron Rodgers is even just a little bit better Than Alex Smith Is he able to save Mike Nolan's job yeah. uh, And so I, I guess that that's almost impossible To predict uh, What happens if maybe Mike Nolan is a little bit better So he stays on one extra year Does that make Singletary never the coach So they get an offensive guy And it's one of those things where it's how much value do you put in the development of a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, we saw him in 2005 play one half against a really bad Baltimore team, and he was terrible. We saw him play one half uh, on a broken foot against the very, a very good New England Patriots team in 2006, and he was terrible. Uh, and then we saw him in 2007 play against a pretty... Good Dallas Cowboy team uh, in Dallas, and he was very, very good. Arguably every bit as good as uh, Brett Favre was in Mike McCarthy's system by that point. But... I guess if you put a lot of value, and this is all just our opinion, if you put a lot of value in that development, is he bad enough to the point that when Mike Nolan gets the boot, the quarterback gets the boot too? And not necessarily that he wouldn't be able to catch on somewhere else, but it almost, it becomes harder to be good. Uh, you always wonder what happens to guys... That get put on the outs and aren't given a a really good chance to to prove themselves again. Uh, I'm I'm at kind of a loss right now. Having said that, to think of an example, maybe you can of a quarterback who you thought maybe could have been good, got the rug pulled out from underneath them a little earlier than you felt was fair, and because they were so bad in the beginning, never got a fair second chance Mm -hmm. to succeed. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah. I
1: think of a few, but I think that I think if a player is good enough, I think that he would have caught on, like you said. I mean, you can maybe think of guys like Cade McNown or Jamarcus Russell. I knew you Russell. were going to say
0: Cade McNown. Yeah, I knew.
1: <laughs> I used to think that Cade McNown needed a chance at a starting job <laughs> somewhere else in the league back in the early 2000s. But um, a guy like Jamarcus Russell never really got another shot. Uh, but, I mean, really, these guys generally land somewhere as backups. We see Brady Quinn getting a, a shot right now. He was kind of a guy maybe similar to that. But I think if Alex Smith sticks around when Nolan goes, I think there's no question that Rodgers sticks around. Uh, yeah. through that whole process and Alex Smith was continually benched through Singletary's time there and they were playing Sean Hill a lot and maybe they do that less if they have a guy like Rodgers around but
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah you, you kind of think about that and you would wonder how often that's happened in the history of this league where a guy could have been Aaron Rodgers and mm-hmm. never got another opportunity you would like to think that coaches could see a guy maybe he's a, a bad practice player though and just never gets a chance but um, it you know it's kind of interesting to think about a, a guy that could have maybe been elite under different circumstances, but just whether he's in a bad system or never gets his opportunity, how many players have there been that could have been you know one of the greats?
0: Yeah, how many Tom Brady's are there who played behind a quarterback who didn't get hurt? Yeah. Uh, I always, that's kind of one of the great I mean, it's impossible to speculate, but How many guys are there out there that are sitting behind guys That, you know, I mean, even marginal guys Who are just good enough to stay on the field I mean, how many guys might have rotted on the bench behind um, You know, decent But not great quarterbacks like uh, You know, an older Jim Everett Or, or Chris Miller or, or something like that You know, that never just got an opportunity uh, That's really something interesting To think about uh, I think in Rodgers' case, though, I think you're, you're generally right That even with his attitude and the the drive that he would have to succeed. And, and he seems like the kind of guy that if he would have struggled early, had one touchdown, 11 picks in his rookie season, that he would have been throwing passes day and night for the entire offseason to try to get better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so I, I don't think it's possible with a skill set like his, with the attitude that he has, that maybe even getting shipped out of another town, maybe even having to sit on the bench for another season, that unless he gets picked up by a team like New England or he gets picked up by a team uh, like the Indianapolis Colts, that he wouldn't have a chance to uh, to succeed somewhere. Um, maybe he gets thrown out in uh, 2007 and he's scooped up by a team looking for a quarterback after Brett Favre retired, and he plays here anyways.
1: Yeah. <laughs> would that have been something, but <laughs> yeah. we'll never know, I guess. Well, I guess it would
0: have been unremarkable to us if, if it had happened that yeah, way. that's true. <laughs> so, I guess in uh, tying it up, I guess we think the Packers would have maintained status quo, been pretty good, but not as great as they've been with Alex Smith, and we think Aaron Rodgers probably wouldn't have developed in uh, offense as favorable as Mike McCarthy's to the quarterback being good, but he still would have been uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, if I'm reading you correctly.
1: Yep, I would agree with that.
0: All right, so uh, obviously this "What If" was kind of a quick one. Uh, we didn't have a a, a chance to, to record an intro. We figured you all know the story for this one, but we'd love to talk some more "What Ifs" in the future. So I know we have some on the in the queue, ready to go in future episodes. But we'd also uh, love to add some more to that list. So your "What If" topic could be added to that list by coming to our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast. You can post it on there. You can also uh, send it to us via Twitter at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. You can go to our Podbean page where not only can you listen to this episode, past episodes, you can also comment on different things. If you'd like to to add a what if, you can you can comment on there. That's Green Gold Forever. Just like Twitter with the number four.
1: The number four, right.
0: The number four, actually it <laughs> is. Uh, greengoldforever.podbean.com dot podbean com. And uh you can go there as well, uh, to pitch your own what if topic or add any general topic discussions or Comments That you might have on the show uh, Real quick Matt Who do you have tonight We got actually three big time matchups on tonight uh, We won't talk about the one We got the presidential <laughs> debate uh, We got game seven of the NLCS Between the last two World Series champions And of course we got we got Bears-Lions on Monday Night Football A battle between two teams that nobody in Wisconsin Really cares to see win So who do you got I guess in the two Real sporting events
1: well, real, real quickly in the MLB, I'm going to go with the uh, the Giants with uh, Matt Cain on the mound here. It, it seems uh, like a pretty tough matchup for the Cardinals in San Francisco, so I'm going to go with them completing the comeback down 3-1, and then I, I'm having a little bit of a hard time with this one because it seems like a game that you see so often in the NFL where you expect a team like the Bears to win against the Alliance team that's struggling, but um, perhaps don't quite show up or for whatever reason, but I think I'm going to go with Chicago for this. And I think most importantly, which I was kind of interested to ask you as well, was was who you're going for? Because I've kind of like watching Sports Center a little bit here. I've seen the clips from last year with how dirty the Lions were, and it just brought up these emotions in me where I me- remember cheering for the Bears hardcore in that game. <laughs> yeah. And it, even even though that they're the team we're really competing with right now at the top of the division, along with Minnesota and Detroit's kind of in the cellar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm thinking I'm going to be pulling for Chicago. Tonight. I just I can't stand the Lions. I think they're my probably my least favorite team in the league right now, with kind of the way they play and some of the guys on that roster. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: even though I can't stand Jay Cutler, I think I'm going for the Bears. How about you?
0: Yeah that that game at Soldier Field last year, I've never cheered so hard for the Bears in my life. With all the mm-hmm. cheap shots that Detroit was taken, is that the game they were referring to? Yes, yes. Yeah, that was just brutal. And I guess. I would like to see the Bears come back to the pack, but there's still tons of time for that. I mean, the Packers still have five division games left to play, so as far as the Packers' ability to, to pull back into this one, I'm not worried. The Bears are not going to go 15-1. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, for tonight, why not? I'll cheer for the Chicago Bears, and I had to start Jay Cutler this week because Peyton Manning's got a bye week, so hopefully he throws <laughs> maybe, for five or six touchdowns.
1: And maybe put the lines in a little deeper hole, too. I mean, even though the Vikings have a, a much better record, I think they might still scare me a little more than Minnesota does anyway, so maybe Just put them a little further in the hole so it's not A team we have to think about down the road
0: Yeah they're a team you just like to see buried in the In the bottom of the standings and Just have to just get a chance To forget about them not only because they have The potential to be a dangerous team as they they Proved at times last year but also because There's just a lot of not very Cool guys on that team (laughs) So I guess I'll pull for the Chicago Bears and uh, So I guess uh, that's That's about it for uh, Green and Gold Forever This week Matt did mention his that the Lions are one of his most hated teams And I'm actually putting together Maybe the first blog post To be posted on our Podbean site And that's my top five personal Most hated teams that I've ever seen the Packers play uh, So that's going to be covering Not only the, the teams such as the Vikings Or the Cowboys or the Lions But it's also going to point out the years In which I hated them the most So look forward to that in a, in a couple of weeks here I might have it near the end of this week Or, or if it, if not the end of this week I'll post it next week So Take a look at that on our Podbean page, greengoldforever.podbean.com. And uh, other than that, I hope everybody has a great week. We're looking forward to hopefully another win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, another win after that against the Arizona Cardinals, and entering the bye week at 6-3 and three, and bringing those hopes back up that 2012 might be another title year for Title Town. So with that, uh, have a good week, everybody. Take care.